Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. First of all, thank you, Ryan Dedeker, for being on the call. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I love it. So I had the pleasure of working with you back in 2012. And I always tell people uh, back in those days when, when I was a leader before John Maxwell days, we called it old Tina leadership days, and they were not pretty. And so uh, if I need to apologize to you for anything, please, I apologize because I know I sucked. And I know that I had a lot of things that I needed to work on. I'm still not there, but I'm definitely a lot better than I was uh, through the story. But thanks for putting up with the old Tina as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it wasn't even that. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't bad. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I totally agree with that sentiment, um, saying that old versus new, and you have to keep going and you're still not there. I think that most people um, that feel that they made it, they became complacent. And I think mm. for growth, you can't ever settle for where you're at right then. Um, so I think it's super important for you and for me and for everybody um, that listens to this podcast to really uh, know that self-growth is continuous and continual so it, you'll never be there um, because if you're there then you're settling yeah i love it and you know i, I ryan i all the time i'm always talking to people and when i speak on stage i talk about people that i've lost in my companies that were incredible people and how sad i was because i know it was a lot of my fault but even losing you and you leaving the company and i knew you were such a powerhouse because i i saw a lot of amazing things in you so everything that you're doing and the fork in the roads that you have taken i'm not surprised at all and the lives that you're going to affect so if you're a leader listening here and you've lost good people like you have ryan and your company it's not a bad thing because it actually helped propel them into what their destiny is supposed to be so don't shame yourself or feel bad about it just say just move on right and so i want to introduce to you ryan dedeker Uh, he is the owner of four fathers grooming which i want to find out where that name came from in a moment but uh, you've been a licensed cosmetologist for eight years the owner of Forefathers Grooming for three years, graduated from Palma to the School of Michigan, woo woo, (laughs) and honing your expertise in fades and barber styling ever since. Realizing your passion as men's styling and education, he decided to open his own shop in Sterling Heights, Michigan, 2017. Ryan's shop is duly licensed for cosmetologists and barbers, so he's able to offer all services across the board. While he isn't at the shop, he, you can find him educating others at various schools around Michigan. I love teaching others how not only to level up their cutting skills, but their people skills as well. You really grow as a person and stylist when you help to grow others. Ryan looks forward to what his future holds as both working stylist behind the chair, entrepreneur, and educator. Wow, Ryan, like talk about making something new, bigger, better, different, and seeing something that wasn't working that you saw that and you made it better where did that come from where did this creative mindset come from that bio was filled with many words and um a lot of like that bio and this creative mindset has come with connection uh, to people so i think that um a lot of times in a hair service or in a salon or a barber shop there's no real connection built And I think that started with Paul Mitchell um, because I learned from early on in core that you have to connect um, to the person in your chair rather than focus on the end result. I think still to this day, it rings true. um, Hair, the haircut or hairstyle or hair service is only half of the actual service that you're performing. So when I think about being creative and things, I think about connecting to my client uh, inside the shop. So with the passion for music and um, I've always been taught from a young age to enjoy all types of music. It might not be your cup of tea at that moment, but um, 
it can be some sort of mood in your future or something that connects you. So in our shop, I set it up to where I not only wanted the best connection to the client via hair, but I wanted the best connection via uh, mood or feeling. So I set the tone in our uh, facility that just automatically keeps these creative juices flowing and building um, the connection between you and the person in your chair. Yeah, I've seen your shop and it's absolutely beautiful. And I love the Thank fact you. that you bring in artifacts from your clients. What a cool thing. In fact, Brian, my husband, his grandfather was a barber. And so we have all of these tools and we're always thinking, man, what can we do that with these? And, and I foresee in the future, you just scaling your business and growing even bigger so that you can have more of these all around. And oh, that's, spread that's definitely a good point. I mean, I'm all already thinking about where am I going to put all this stuff? And I've always been interested in the past and genealogy and artifacts and antiques and stuff. Um, even before I became a hairstylist. So it was only natural. My grandmother now has passed the, uh, the baton, uh, if that's what you would call it, for our like family history onto me. So now I'm acquiring all of these, these photos and, and all of these cool artifacts from my great-grandfather and my family ancestry, um, which is really, it's interesting and it's also, for me, like history unlocks a lot of wisdom for us. And mm -hmm. with forefathers, naming it forefathers, you know, I, I ran some names and stuff by colleagues, Sarah Kay and, and people that are close to me and forefathers really stuck out. Um, and it's something you can grow with because forefathers, we all have forefathers and, and they came from all different walks of life and, and different, um, careers so like bringing that into forefathers not just the name but now it's a sense of feeling um within our walls that's what i wanted to do with all of these things because everything has a story just like mm -hmm. you're telling stories um with the people in your chair there's stories all around you and you may not know them but it's interesting to hear all these different uh angles and and lives past Wow. How is it that you ever, I want to unlock that a little bit more. And I love what you said sure. that history unlocks a lot of wisdom. That, that was a really powerful statement, Ryan. And I, I want to go back to that here in a moment. And yeah, you're going to hear a lot of really good wisdom coming from Ryan here, which I absolutely love that about you. Where did it come from you wanting to be a hairstylist? Like what's that untold story for you, Ryan, that caused you to join our program and be a hairstylist? Sure. Well, I mean, I, I started off, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was 18. So what's the next step? You go to college. So I went to college and then um, I was paying for it for myself. I moved out when I was 18. So I had uh, an opportunity to gain debt when I was younger and not be responsible with it. So at year two, um, before I was finished with my associates, I made the decision I had to pay bills and I still didn't know what I wanted to do. So what's the best option is not accruing debt still, but to figure yourself out and kind of come back to that um, timeline and timelines aren't, you know, a, a flat line across. They could be, you, you know, any different direction. So in my direction, I, I had a, a girl that, um, I was dating and it was my high school sweetheart and she uh, decided to drop out of college to uh, follow her dream of being a hairstylist. Mm. And at that time we lived together and I was like, wow, that's really, that's something because you're, you're trading a, a career for something unknown. And when you're in college, you accrue all this debt. You don't necessarily know that you'll have a job at the end. If, and that's something you're going to be passionate about. So I kind of uh, took her leap of faith and I found it super interesting and super creative. I would go visit her um, and get, you know, basic services done while she was in, uh, in school. 
And it kind of turned into this interesting dream that I thought would be fun and, and creative, a creative outlet. Um, I've always been this, uh, I would say creative, and I always found it interesting to transform things and build things. I'm a huge, I love woodworking and building things or taking things apart and fixing them. So it was kind of uh, an easy transition into hair. It's a different um, realm and a different medium, but it was something that you had to transform into something else. So that's kind of how I got into it. Um, and it, it was delayed by life choices and I got into a little bit of trouble and I vowed when I was out of trouble to, to really go back into that opportunity. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I love that because uh, what was the trouble that you got into? Can you share that? Sure. I had a, um, a DUI okay. and um, so I spent a lot of time and, and didn't necessarily have the money to deal with that either. So I chose to go to jail and I went to jail for nine months. So Wow. Yeah. So it was it's, your first DUI. And they well, did... it just happened to be my second. Oh, your second. <laughs> with, okay. Yeah, within yeah. one year. And yeah. when that happens, they really throw the book at you. And he mm -hmm. said that he was going to make an example of me. And I'm glad to this day to be that example yeah. because it pushed me into a different way of thinking. Um, during that wow. time, I had a lot of time to reflect. And um, all that time, I, I vowed to follow my dreams. Um, a person actually that I met there, he was my roommate, and he actually went to hair school at Paul Mitchell, the school in Michigan, before I even started. I had pushed him into uh, a career such as this one. Oh my gosh. Okay. I didn't even know this. I, there's so yeah. many things. A lot of people don't. So many untold stories. I, I'm shifting my mindset of where I want to go with this B series. I'm loving this. Uh, so how old were you when you went to jail? It was 2010 um, or 2009. So I would have been 24. Okay. So that was before you came to our school. Then. Correct. Okay. I came in 2011. Okay. So you're 24. So you're mm -hmm. in jail for the full nine months. I spent 210 days. 210 days. Okay. Wow. That's a long time. It so is a long time. Talk about that experience. So right now, right now we are being, we're quarantined in the state of Michigan and Florida sure. uh, because of the coronavirus, of course. So talk about the ultimate being quarantined. So in prison, right? Yeah. So oh yeah. In my head, because you know, although with this pandemic, Ryan, obviously I'm I'm sad about the people dying from this, and I'm very sad for the world of what's happening. But at the same time, I'm also grateful for some of the lessons people are being taught right now, including myself. And so oh, yeah. the quarantine has actually been a good thing in some respects, right? And so I'm going to call this be quarantined because here you were, you chose to go to jail for nine months. Why did you choose that uh, to go to jail? First of all, well, at that point, I really, um, I had lost my license. I had lost my vehicle. So I didn't really have means to do that. I didn't want to uh, rely on my family to help me during that time because it was, it's my fault. Ultimately I was, I was a kid and kids make stupid mistakes, but I made them twice you know, and uh, so I decided to, instead of uh, burdening my family or people, my circle, if you will, instead of burdening them with my problem, I wanted to take it head on and eliminate the problem. Because after that, there's no paperwork. It's, you know, you do your time, you get out, and then you move on with your life. And that's what I wanted to do, ultimately, is I wanted a chance to restart. So I made that opportunity i guess because i chose yeah. to go so i'm making my own luck in the future so that was the decision i made was to restart and reset and when i get out i have a blank slate oh my gosh okay here's what i came up with um so be quarantined and you know let's let's embrace this quarantine that we sure. have going on right now and the number one thing that i heard from you ryan is how selfless that you were 
to do that because I would have never chose that. I would have chosen to be selfish and I would be there. You're not sending me to jail. Like tell, tell us about your experience uh, being in jail for that amount of time. What was that like? Oh man, for my first three months, I was full of resentment and full of uh, resentment for the people that put me there, right? Not taking accountability on myself. Um, but as I sat in the, the courtroom and he made the judgment, I'm not staying just those three months, I'm staying nine. Um, it turned something in me. All of a sudden I had to take responsibility, but with taking responsibility allows you freedom in your mind. And that freedom allowed me to get a more positive mindset and to get things in order. Um, I worked the whole time to keep myself busy um, in, in the facility. Uh, but it's sometimes politics happen and there's a lot of politics even in that environment um, mm. with the staff or the people that are in there um, for doing wrong. So. I think I spent the, the next five months or so just working on myself. I would work out and, and read. I must have read, I read probably more books in there in one stretch than I had ever read before in my entire life. Wow. Which so, was amazing. What was, like, give me the reality of the day-to-day -day life. What, what was it like? Like, kind of give me an average day of, of what you would do. Like, what time would you have to wake up? And what were they, did they sure. put you on a schedule? What, what was it like? Well, I had volunteered for kitchen work, which is the most strenuous or the longest day, because I wanted to be out of myself for the longest period of time. But um, you wake up at, at 4.30, 5 a.m., you get breakfast, and then you go to work. And then you work for 10 cents an hour um, for four, 14 hours, 15 hours. Um, and then you come back and you wow. shower and get ready for bed and, and go to bed pretty much. But um, at that time, the facility actually went through a black mold issue in the kitchen and their sewers backed up into the kitchen. So it wasn't usable for the rest of my time there. So instead I was moved to um, the, an annex facility um, where we were in a, an unused wing that we all had our own uh, room, private room that you could close the door at night. Um, and the workers, they have a little bit more freedom. Um, you know, they're, they're not locked in all day long. And that's what I needed to really get out of my own head was the freedom to at least walk around or do something uh, strenuous, like work out or read and, um, it was an interesting experience because moving from the kitchen, you're not making hot food anymore. Instead, you're stuck making sandwiches and uh, bologna sandwiches and, <laughs> and chips for lunch. And, but it was a part of serving others um, that I found great. Uh, I could serve the best possible thing to my fellow person that I was in there with. Um, mm. So that's what I strive for was high quality in what I'm putting out. I became um, one of the only dietitians in there. And a dietitian in, in a jail or a prison isn't the hardest job either, but it just mm -hmm. takes mind. Uh, so you have to think on your feet. So um, I took care of all the, the diabetic, the cardiac patients um, in the facility and made their uh, specific dietary restriction meals and schedules for the, the week or month moving forward. And then I would, I would focus on that every day. Wow. Yeah, I love it. Well, this is so great because in order to be successful, you need to be quarantined, right? Sure. So you yeah. need to take those times. And, and for many, many years, Ryan, I have quarantined myself, so to speak. And yeah. I forced myself to be a part of the 5am club. I still follow my same schedule. Uh, even though I'm not, you know, in my schools or in my salons right now or in my companies. And so, but I still get up at 5am and I spend time alone and, and writing and journaling and reading and, and learning new things. And, and I know that I have to do that to be my best self. And sure. so you actually took advantage of that time. How many people, what do you think the percentage is of people that are really taking advantage of this quarantine time? What would be your guess? 
That would be a very low percentage, unfortunately. Um, But that's what, you know, sets the the bar. And that's why we doers or the people that don't stop or that Mm -hmm. uh, continue on this path is that's the the difference that sets us apart. That's going to be your bar to, you know, leap from. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Our last recession uh, was happening when uh, we opened our our second school in Sterling Heights. So yeah. we had opened in 2006, but then a couple of years later that the Great Recession started. And that's when we were really flourishing, right, as a company. And I, I look back that Great Recession, that's actually when Uber started, uh, when yeah. Air, Airbnb started. So with crisis right. comes opportunity. So this time around, I'm thinking, okay, if crisis comes opportunity, like we need to think of something that we could do that nobody else is doing during this time. Right. Like what opportunities do we have? What's missing? And that's what I love about you, Ryan, because you were looking at different shops and thinking, this is what's missing. So I'm going to create this type of environment. Where did that come from for you, Ryan, to want to love to make a difference in people's lives? Because, you know, we don't see that in everybody, right? And I don't see that in every single owner of a business either. And it's interesting because yesterday I was on on Marco Island, Florida, and I was shocked because we had gone. It's a really lucrative city. There's a lot of money in the city. It's kind of like Oakland County in Michigan, right? A lot of billionaires. And so when I um, I, we went and picked up some food and there was some food and there was a hair establishment shut down for sale. And I was in my head, I thought, wow, is this going to be the future of our industry? We're going to see a lot of these. And I started to think, I believe this crisis is going to separate the players from the pretenders. I really believe that. Sure. And I think the pretenders that uh, got into it for the wrong reasons Right. I'm going to last because they're going to be like, I'm tapped out. I'm done. And in my mind, like I'm resilient like you are. And because this is my purpose, this is my life. I will do whatever it takes to remain open and then continue to grow through this process. Oh, absolutely. Where did that come for you? Like where, what's that untold story? I, I feel like, um, the sense of hard work and to keep pushing forward came from my, my father and my mother. I think both of them um, struggled with some adversity uh, in their lives and that pushed them to work as hard as they could for their family. And I think that was just instilled at a young age. I mean, I remember my dad, we were working on the farmhouse up north and we, us kids, my brother and I were loading wood in into the cellar so that we could have heat for the house and you know we were complaining we were probably seven and eight years old and and he said just remember this will be yours one day this is all hard work that you're you're doing for yourself it's not for me it's not for anyone else but you no one can take these skills that we're teaching you away and that's why i think like knowledge is so important in this industry the more you know, the less people can take away from you. And the more you know, the more you can offer your team or, or your inner circle. So I think that me striving for um, knowledge is probably where it came from was my mom and dad. Yeah. When you were in school, um, in our cosmetology school, um, you had an adversity happen. Do you want to talk sure. about that? What happened yeah, we can. School? Yeah. yeah. Um, during school, my last, I want to say it was my, my last like three months. Unfortunately, my father passed and uh, it came abruptly because it was a suicide. So um, due to his adversity that he went through um, in a young age and, and throughout his life, he unfortunately couldn't overcome that that uh that thing that hung over him uh for his whole life and he decided to end it um unfortunately it's a tremendous effect that it has on your psyche and i know i took uh i took a month off and one of the things that probably got me through it was the the outpouring of love and that um our culture at paul mitchell kind of 
is at the forefront of that. I think the positivity and the warm wishes, and I mean, I still have these, and these are uh, hundreds of, of love notes from the students, fellow students and staff, and uh, people were checking on me. And I think coming out of that, I also had a different mindset and it was, you know, to cherish the, the times that you have with people. So all of a sudden it affects the way I interact with people because I do want to build a connection that goes further. Um, and I want to make sure people are okay. Um, because a lot of those things with, with suicide is, is from not discussing um, the problems that you're having because my father was from a generation where they didn't talk about it. And then his father, um, mm -hmm. oh, we don't talk about um, inner feelings or, or problems that we're having. So he was never able to work through them. Yeah. How have you been able to overcome that? Are you, are you a talker? Do you talk about feelings? And how have you been able to heal from that process? Because that's, that's so tough to be able to have, especially your, one of your parents commit suicide. And I, my cousin, it happened with her mom and it still affects her to this day and oh, yeah. it's affected her life. And, and I know she hasn't made all the right choices because of that. And so how have you been able to help to overcome that, Ryan? I think one of the things that I'm in tune with is my emotions and how mm -hmm. I'm feeling. And I have become more honest at how I'm feeling and, and the things that I'm going through with the, the inner circle of people that you trust. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I have had happen is being taken advantage of because I'm open now and so honest. I think that uh, a lot of people see that as weakness. Um, but it hasn't changed how I share. So I still share and I still, um, I still want to make that connection. So I want to build the most honest relationship with anybody in front of me. Um, so I think that's affected me in a positive way because now I'm more in tune with how I feel. And I remember going to the doctor afterward and saying, you know, my father passed and, and I need something. I need something to cope you know what what drug do you have that will help take this pit out of me hmm. and hmm. he said some wise words which were you're supposed to be feeling this way you're hmm. supposed to feel part of us as um a human race is is the escape that we try to have with with feeling and i think to really connect with yourself and people around you, you have to feel all feelings. So they have to be fear and anger and anxiety and depression and happiness and joy. But those with those negative feelings come positive feelings because in order to feel those, you have to feel the opposite, right? Yeah. So to feel joy, pure joy, you have to feel despair, pure despair. So mm. that, with one comes the other. You have to be able to experience that to experience something else. And boy, have you gone through a lot of despair, Ryan. And I love that you said, be in tune with your emotions, talk about your feelings. And I'm doubly excited that your doctor said that. Like that's unheard yeah. of. Most of the time, here's a script. And then they sure. get you hooked on those prescription meds. And then you right. go down that rabbit hole. And especially being that you drank alcohol and you had DUIs now. Right. And that's what happened uh, with my mom. She was an alcoholic, but then the doctor would just give her for her depression and anxiety would give her prescription pills, which acted sure. just like alcohol. It was the right, same right. thing as alcohol. And then she got addicted to those, which just went down a whole nother rabbit hole. And here she trusted her doctor, you know? <laughs> right. So talk, talk about that a little bit, because I think that's an untold story right there. You have a lot of untold stories here, Ryan, a lot of <laughs> wisdom and a lot of wise advice. Talk about that story with your doctor. And, uh, you know, how would you talk to somebody right now that's really struggling? And maybe they're like, I just got to go to the doctor and get a pill. I want this to go away. Talk to them. No, no amount of, of pills or, or alcohol or anything is going to help you come out of the emotional hole that you're in. You have to crawl your way out of it yourself. Mm. And this has to be perseverance that you um, attain 
through reading or guidance from another um, person. You have to be able to feel um, your feelings in order to fix them. Uh, if you're just drowning them or, um, you know, dulling them by taking something, you're, you're not really living either. I think that uh, in, in my history, um, there was alcoholism in my family, and I think that's still uh, a thing in my head um, mm -hmm. that you have to think about all the time, right? But when you're in certain situations, I was a bartender since I was 18, so I was in a certain lifestyle, right? Um, and with people who are not making the right decisions, and this all has to do with your circle of influence too. So when you surround yourself with that negative lifestyle or that um, drinking lifestyle or the people that are taking pills or something like that, I think that you have to get out of that negative space in order to kind of find yourself. So if somebody's going through these things they have to assess their environment that they're in too. Is it a toxic mm. environment? Is it a negative place? Um, and in order to help fix that, you have to be in the best mindset possible. And that means you have to be in the best environment possible to help you grow. Oh, geez, that's good. That's powerful. You know, I was thinking about this, something that I learned, if you don't act on your feelings now, eventually you'll act out. And, and I tell you, as us sure. as entrepreneurs and owners, we see this all the time because yeah. we'll be coaching a staff member and they fly off the handle over something really silly. Like, you know, you don't have toilet paper or something. Well, this it's, not, that yeah, but, <laughs> it's never that. Yeah. It's uh -huh. never that issue. It's something yes, else. It's something it's deeper. And so in my head, I'm always like, what, what's really going on, you know? Right. And I try to coach my team, especially our future professional advisors in our schools, because I, I always ask them, I, listen, listen, the reason why they're acting out right now, because they didn't act on something many years ago. So how could you help to draw that out and get them to a therapist or a counselor so that they can talk, you know, through that process. And, and so you're almost essentially becoming a life coach as an owner. If you want to be successful as a business owner, you've got to be a life coach too, because you got to, 100%, you, got to read, yeah. you got to read your people. And so I love that you did that and that you worked on those things. So here's what I came up with. You won't even believe I have 11 things <laughs> from you. <laughs> and uh, so to be, to, be, to be a great leader, you have to be quarantined. So embrace this time right now, sure. just like Ryan did. So number one, be selfless. Number two, make your own luck. We didn't even talk about that because interesting enough, I'm actually taking a course right now. And one of the entrepreneurs, he said, greatest, the greatest uh, multi-billion uh, entrepreneurs, they make their own luck. And you said sure. that earlier. And when you said it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's totally Ryan. He just said that. I had to write it down. Tell me why and how do you make your own luck? Like give practical examples here. So everything affects everything else. Um, so if you're, you're building on that, you have to surround yourself in a positive environment in order to create, right? Mm -hmm. So if your environment is negative, you, you're not going to be your, your luckiest or positive self. Like building building luck and making your own luck is making situations that will work for you. So every um, interaction or meeting is an opportunity, but where is it an opportunity? It doesn't have to be monetary, right? So luck doesn't have to be, I'm lucky and I won the lottery. It could be, oh, Ryan is so lucky. He's always, you know, um, just always in a great mood. Nothing bad ever happens. Well, that's because I myself don't let or I try not to. I think it's yeah. a work in progress. <laughs> We're human <always>. beings. <laughs> right, exactly. So things yes. affect me. But a lot of times I've been called. Um, my, my girlfriend told me I'm, I've become a happy-go-lucky guy. And mm. that means that, that some of these negative things that happen around me, I don't really look at them. Instead, I almost mm. have like horse blinders, blinders on. And nice. I'm focused on the goals that I have. Whoa. Put your horse so I think, blinders on. <laughs> That's number 12. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true because 
uh, you know, be careful who you tell your dreams to because people who've abandoned their dreams will try to Big steal time. yours. And yeah. I'll tell you, you know, something that Kelly Cardenas was just talking to our salon team about. He said that you can't be a prophet in your own town. And it's really hard to be a prophet in your own house. So meaning yeah. to be successful because your, your family's looking at you like you're just taking time away from me or whoever. Right. And so a lot of times I just put my head down and just I'm quiet and I work and I just work towards my dreams. And then I'll tell my family later, hey, this is going on, blah, 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 uh, because, you know, they don't understand sometimes, you know, right. and it's your dream. It's not their dream. You know, right. so being careful who you tell your dreams to. So put your horse blinders on. I made that number 12. So let's go back to number two. You said, make your own luck. And I love the fact that you said, put yourself out there because you just did a class for my students. And I wrote down a couple notes that you said, which were fantastic. Cause you said, you have to be your own siren for your business business. And you have to be obsessed with telling people about the business you're in. I think that's the number one mistake that hairstylists and business owners make. They're not their own siren and they're not obsessed right. with telling people. Talk through that process. Yeah, my favorite thing to do was to use that medium, which was working in the restaurant to tell people what I did. There was not one person at the bar or in the restaurant that didn't know that I did hair. Um, and that I was, you know, gonna be successful one day and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it and I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna, I'm going to be a star and, and do hair and, and live this wonderful life that I could only dream of at the, at the time. Little did I know I was already living it because I was making the decisions that would affect the future. And I, sometimes you got to stop and think about that too, because your, your decisions are going to affect how you are, um, perceived. So I made sure when, when people were around me, they all knew that I did hair, but I also wanted to put the best version of myself forward for mm. them to see so that they would want me to do their hair or exactly. they would want to come see what I'm doing or interested in, in what I have in my portfolio or something like that. So I think that's a, a lot of times people get drowned out on the dream, which is way ahead of you and making a hundred thousand dollars because we all can want to do that, right? But you have to focus on what's in front of you and how are you going to even make that happen? You have to have a plan. So yeah. you have to plan things out in order yeah. for them to even come to you. Because if you just have a goal with no plan to get there, it's just going to be a goal waiting for you. Because yeah. you don't plan to get there, how are you going to do it? Row a boat? I, no one, you <laughs> have to be... You have to be uh -huh. focused on gaining traction and gaining other people to follow you. And John Maxwell mm. speaks about that in his uh, book, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And he said, you have to touch people's heart before you ask for their hand. Yes. And I think that that's what, um, what I try to strive for every day to gain and be my siren is to touch people in a way that you, another wise person, Gino Stempora, talks about being someone's dinner conversation. So you want to touch people's heart and have them talk about you outside of your facility. You have mm -hmm. to make it known what you do and how do you do that by touching people. It's not just an impeccable haircut. It's, it's for you to affect them emotionally in a way that they want to tell someone else about you. Yes, this is powerful. And also, I wanted to add to something that you had said, too, because being your own siren is looking the part. And something that I always loved about you, Ryan, when you were a student, and when you worked with us, I mean, you were always looking the part. Like, you were always on point, you know? And so, oh, and here you have hairdressers that are like, I can't build a clientele. And I'm like, well, look at your hair. Like, yeah. you know, look at your makeup, look at your clothes. Like you don't yeah. look like a hairstylist. People don't trust you. If you can't get somebody to come in with you, like first just look in the mirror. And, and to me, you know, I was in dentistry for a long time. So that would yeah. be like a dentist without teeth saying, Hey, I want to do your teeth. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, so it's true. like, yeah, right. You know? Yeah. And, and so that's, that's what kind of scares me, you know, when people aren't making their own luck you know, and you have to, and, and I, I want to add to that. So I put number three, um, be a hustler. Cause we were actually going to talk about that. Be hungry. Cause you're sure. definitely a hustler and I'm a hustler too. And I joke because 
so many people I'll ask them, you know, cause I, I train salon owners and I help them set up their businesses and I'll say, you know, to our students, well, why do you want to be an owner? And they say flexibility. And I'm like, you're not going to have flexibility. True. That is the biggest no. lie that whoever told That's them a lie. that you get flexibility. There's no flexibility. You, right. in, in other words, you don't have flexibility, but guess what? You have to be flexible. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You have to you be know? a yoga, yoga yes. instructor. But you got to be ready to work like blood, sweat, tears, work. And you and I, we don't do it for the work because it's our ministry. Like we love yeah. this. This is our purpose. And I love being around like-minded people like you, Ryan, because we get each other and we understand it. And I knew that. Um, you coming back into the school and teaching again was just incredible. And just to hear your voice, I'm like, Ryan, like my long lost Ryan, I miss you. And, and I love something else that you said. Um, and I wanted to add to it about being busy. I'm, I'm the busy bee. You know, my husband always says I move faster than an energizer battery because I always have things <laughs> going on. But when opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. And so oh, in, the, yeah. in the quarantine time right now, get prepared learn things that you didn't know before. And I can guarantee everyone knows how to use Zoom these days before oh, yeah, it used to be me constantly training them on FaceTime. This is how you turn it on, you know, but right. you have to in order to survive. And so thinking about things that you can do to go to the next level in your business. And it's funny because there's this uh, salon owner mastermind out there with thousands of salon owner followers. And I'm really trying to break more into the salon owner realm, so to speak, and speak yeah. to more salon owners uh, via online because I have a grandson, I have another grandchild on the way. And so speaking uh, at events is too hard for me right now in my, my sure, season. Yeah. And so I have in front of me a whole poster of what I wanted to talk about in case I got asked. Well, then I found out like the day before that I was supposed, they were going to ask me to speak the next day. And what if I didn't prepare my speech and it was already prepared and it's <laughs> yeah, right, right. right in front of me, I would have panicked and I might've said no. And the interesting thing is like, we'll give our staff and our students opportunities, Ryan, and they don't jump at it because they haven't been preparing. And so they should have just yeah. said yes. You know, they should have said yes. And so many people want to be inspirational, motivational speakers. Well, we give them that opportunity, but then they shrink back, but not you. Because yeah, because there's no preparation. I, I remember learning about saying yes to every opportunity. And yeah. that's kind of gotten me where I am uh, today is, is I don't really say no to an opportunity that presents itself. And if I'm not prepared, then I prepare as quickly as possible. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't work out, but sometimes it does. Yes. And when, when it does, it's, it's dynamic and it, it's fireworks because all of a sudden it's going to open something for you that wasn't there before. And even if you yes. don't go down that avenue, it's still there mm -hmm. almost waiting for you because you said yes to the opportunity. Yep. Just show up, just show up. That's all you there have you to go. do. Find your, jump and find your wings on the way down. Number four, I love what you said earlier. Take response, taking that responsibility gives you freedom in your mind. The minute you went to jail, well, maybe a couple of weeks later, cause you went through, which is normal. Cause you're a human right. being. You yeah. went through the blame game. That was me after my first salon walkout that I had. I blamed my people and everybody else but myself until I finally looked in the mirror. It took me a lot longer than your sure. two weeks that took for you, but you <laughs> took, but it's true. Once you take responsibility and you say, it's my fault, saying those three words is just like freedom. But most people don't do that. Talk to someone right now that's like in the blame game, blame mode. It's not, not taking responsibility for their own life. Give them advice from Ryan Dieterker right now. So what does um, responsibility mean is just that you are responsible for what is happening or what is about to happen or what has happened. Um, and I think responsibility, taking responsibility instead of filling your mind with those negative things like of blaming others or blaming something, all of a sudden you can fill your head. That space is space that can be filled with the answer or the opportunity um, in front of you. So that responsibility, when you're not taking responsibility, you're filling your head with the blame and the negative emotions and, 
and oh poor me or resentment and stuff like that but once you take that away and take it all of a sudden it cleans your page so that your your offers are in front of you and you can choose whether to take them and put them on the page now you can categorize and move forward with what you're trying to do because you've already taken responsibility you say well i take responsibility what can i do now what is going to help me not what is not going to help me and most of the time a lot of people will not take that responsibility i could easily take not take responsibility for what has happened in my business um during our our opening and and things that have happened to gain um people uh to work for our team and our phenomenal company but i have to ultimately take that and say okay, I take responsibility for what's happened. How can I fix it? How can I move forward? Mm, it's so good. The solutions show up in freedom. When you have freedom. Oh, 100%. They, yeah, they present Beautiful. themselves. They do. And number five, I wrote down bettering yourself. Uh, the more you know, the less people can take away from you. And I love that you said that. And that fact that you made a choice to read books while you're in jail. And so that's kind of unheard of. And I'm just, I'm so proud of you for doing that. What are you reading right now? And tell people why they should be readers. Well, I read a total in one, in one bout there. I read a total of, I think, 37 books. And that's my record to date. Wow. Um, some of them were fictional. A lot of them, you know, I read the Quran. I read the, the Bible. I read I, a ton of Harry Potter all the whole series. I mean, I think that um, you can gain something from all different types of literature, whatever it be. Um, yes. But the thing you gain the most is the knowledge. So mm -hmm. I think that being a more read person or learning to love to read, because I don't think everyone can love to read. Mm -hmm. I think that it takes a certain mindset to become a reader. Um, but becoming the reader opens up different doors for you because all of a sudden you're more affluent uh, about mm. knowledge and things in the world. And it doesn't necessarily have to be facts or something like this, but it opens your mind to a different realm. And that realm is positivity and success. And I think the more you read, the more you start learning that knowledge is power and it's powerful and it can affect other people other than yourself. So when I'm looking at my team and stuff, I wanna be more read than they are. Why? Because I want to be their leader. I want to offer them something. And you can only offer what you have. And what <laughs> I have is, is knowledge and mm -hmm. I, I'm striving more and more to read as much as possible. Um, one thing uh, that I keep, going over in my mind every single day is, is you got to read, you got to read. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, you can find different mediums to read and it doesn't have to be a, a, a book from cover to cover. You know, if you're just gaining knowledge, a lot of times I'm reading motivational things by mm -hmm. different um, people. Jordan Peterson, uh, the 12 rules of life. Oh, I have that book. One, I need to read it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm yes. just in the beginning of it, but um, I'm, I have books everywhere around me, right? And a lot of times I don't finish them cover to cover. Me That's too, one me thing. too. <laughs> yeah, one thing I'm working on, I see a uh -huh. shiny new book or a shiny yeah. new object and I want to start uh -huh. that. Um, That's funny. There are bits and pieces that you can pick up, even if there yeah. were just a few pages or a few chapters, if you didn't finish it. So powerful. I love that. And it really is about the law of the lid because the higher oh, yeah, you go, yeah. the higher people that are going to be attracted to you because who you yeah. are is who you attract. You know, it's that magnet. Right. So that, that's really powerful. So that was number five. Number six, I love the fact that you picked the hardest job when you're at jail and the longest hours and you picked something to serve because giving is the highest form of living. And I sure. truly believe that. And the more you give and the harder you work, the more you're going to get back, you know? And so, I, and it's, that's a law. When you give, you receive, period, right? right? right. And so serve, I put for number six. Number seven, uh, learn to listen. And I, I love that you said that because being in quarantine and I, for me, getting up early in the morning, that's why I do it because I have to listen. 
versus turning right. things on and, and, you know, you're, you're listening to some, like music or whatever, drowning out. But sometimes I just got to sit in silence and just listen to God himself speak to me and download things to me because I know it's going to be a lot more profound. Right. And so I just think that's powerful and give some advice right now of a practical advice. Like how have you become such a great listener? And I know there's no way you could be a great business owner slash hairstylist if you weren't a great listener. Well, I grew up, my stepfather taught me at an early age um, with one life lesson. It's, you have two ears and one mouth. So that means you must listen twice as much as you speak. And when you listen, all of a sudden things come in that you didn't know before. So when you're in a conversation, <laughs> engaging with somebody else, sometimes it pays to listen to what they have to say. Um, even if you don't want to hear it, it allows you to rebuttal or um, speak your mind with more knowledge about where they're coming from. Yeah, that's, that's so, so good. And, and the fact that you said earlier, because you learn to listen so that you can make a true difference in someone's life and help them to get to where they want to go, which I think is so awesome. And, and in fact, it's interesting. Uh, last night when I spoke of the Salon Owners Mastermind, I kept thinking, because mm -hmm. I, I, these the men that run this are new to me in the industry. I didn't know any of them. And mm -hmm. so I was just like, you know, God, help me add value to them because they have been serving and giving back to this industry for so many weeks now, every night, day in, day out, having a different speaker. Um, right. And help me to add value to them. And he actually... God gave me a word for all three of them. And I could tell that it was a God word and not my word, because when I said it over them last night, you could kind of see their face. Like they really yeah. felt, they really felt valued. And so people want to feel valued. And what so, was your word? Yeah, it's interesting. The one word for the one guy was integrity. The other one was compassion. And the other one that he was a gold digger, G-O-L-D digger. And, and uh, one of them messaged me last night and said, why did you pick that word for me? And he really yeah. wanted to know. I could really tell that, and it was compassion. I could really tell that it affected him. And sure. so it kind of started that dialogue. And, but it's, it's so cool, like just having that time alone and just turn everything off and just listen because he will actually give you words over people so that you can add value to them. And so I, I love that you said that. So that was number seven. Number eight, uh, be a visionary. And I love that about you, Ryan, because that's why you're an owner of a business because leaders see more and more and more before their people. And so people actually kind of like borrow your belief, which is so cool. And so yes, as definitely. you're quarantining, like vision plan, we have our students in our leadership. We have a leadership team now in our Palm Mental yeah. Schools. Oh, that's and awesome. I, yes. And I have them uh, making vision boards this week. And so a couple of them sent me pictures of their vision boards, you know, and I'm just like, no judgment on your vision board. Just, just go right. on. Do, do you make vision boards or dream boards ever? Well, it, that's great. You touched on that because um, my vision boards now, uh, when I first did my first vision board, um, I was taught that at Paul Mitchell, but when I did my first one, it was full of, of monetary um, value, right? A large house, a large, uh, a super nice car, um, money, there was a bag of money, all these things, right? And as you grow in this business or as an influencer of others and you're serving other people, all I realize that monetary value has no true value in what I'm doing. And it's nice to have that and it will come um, with you growing people, monetary value always comes, right? Um, yeah. But my vision boards have changed. Um, I, I keep like a little uh, collage on, on things in, in my saved photos of, of things that that's now my vision board in my notes is um, different uh, pictures that I attain and put them in motivational mm. folder. Um, but that has changed now from those materialistic things to instead like uh, just quotes that I love of, of courage and um, simplicity mm -hmm. and how to affect other people and leadership and, and things like that. So now my vision board is filled with that. That's how I want to be remembered or that's how I want to affect people is here and not with the wallet or yeah. anything else. 
same, same here. It's definitely evolved into that. And, and our vision statement and our companies, our salons is people before profit. And so it's yeah. so funny that you yeah. said that because the money will come, just do what you love and serve, right. serve people, add value to people and the money will come. And then number nine, uh, just, you know, what you went through with your dad, Ryan, and the mere fact that you said, cherish the times that you have with people. And I think that's just absolutely beautiful. And just being present, that's something I have to definitely work on. I even have to schedule that out and say, okay, I'm going to put my phone down right now. I'm not going to be, you know, because Isn't I can, it funny yeah. how that changes. Like life has become static and mm -hmm. uh, not static as in stand still, but static. There's craziness and yep. static all around you and stuff like just clawing Shiny for objects. your attention, right? Yep. Yeah. Shiny objects. And, it's mm -hmm. um, for me, scheduling is, uh, has become super important. And I feel like a lot of times I do live by a schedule during the quarantine. It's really difficult to, uh, you know, stray away from having that schedule and having that uh, normalcy to my life. Um, so scheduling out times where you're uh, just quiet and in, engaged with what you're doing in front of you or the person you're talking to has become super important to me. I mean, I like when we hold meetings at work and stuff, I don't want a phone near any of us because yeah. I don't want it to take away what we're trying to do. And that's connect with each other. Um, so yeah. I think it's super important to even schedule time. I think that should be scheduled because our life, if, if you're organized and stuff, you have to schedule things out to be effective and efficient. Um, and I have scheduled time to be unscheduled. So yes. that's also what you have Free to time. schedule. Free yeah, time. <laughs> it's just time to unwind and do whatever. Yeah. But that has to be scheduled too. Um, and it hasn't made me, you know, super anal or crazy. It just helped me get organized and organize my thoughts and my feelings and, and how yes. I interact with people. You get creative when you do that. Like you got to get yourself out of your bubble yeah, yeah. and your normal routine and say, okay, this is, I'm going to go do this, go for a walk. I have never taken so many walks in my life since this my, quarantine. Me as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's been I have so never good. Taken I know. Yeah, we do. We do like five miles every other day at least. Yeah. Um, we used and to that's always... been super amazing too. Because we shut off. We, do, we don't, yep. um, like I brought my headphones and I remember my girlfriend saying, why are you bringing headphones? Like, what are you yeah. doing? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Why would, why would I bring uh -huh. it? Let's connect it. and let's have walk. It. Right. Oh, that's so good, Ryan. Oh my gosh. This, we could do this for 24 hours and I, I, I feel like a lot could, of energy. Yeah. <laughs> Number 10, I put be in tune with your emotions. Uh, just talk about your feelings. I know we talked about this, um, you know, just really, really um, either reading having therapy, um, journaling, I think is a really great way to do that as well too. Um, act on your feelings so that you won't act out. Number 11, I love that you said to always be constantly assessing your environment that you're in and assessing your inner circle. Like who's, who's in that inner circle and just be yeah. really, really careful and always reassess it and renew uh, your inner circle. I know I do that every single year. I'm always uh, maybe adding and maybe a little bit of subtracting and just being really careful and watching for those red flags. It's not always easy because people right. are going to take advantage. Yeah. And it's sometimes hard to make those cuts. It is. Know? Because human yes. emotion catches us, you know, and if you're an emotional person and in touch with your emotions, um, at least you see them coming and you can assess whether it's a, a good or, or positive experience, whether or a, a negative one. And sometimes it's, it's really difficult to make those cuts, but um, they have to happen in order for you to grow. That's so good. You know, uh, my family, especially my daughter, who is my partner, she's got a lot of discernment around people. And so I really look to her uh, for yeah. her discernment because she's got quite a gift with it. I'm not always in agreement with her, but I'm always in the back of my head kind of looking out for the red flags that she's talking about sure. you know, yeah. as well too. And so I think it's really important to make sure you do have those people that have strong discernment in your life. And then, uh, then last one was uh, number 12. I said, put your horse blinders on. I love that. <laughs> like that's incredible. And saying, you know, one of our uh, strategies to a successful business is to fix your attitude. 
right? And so right. you've got to be around just optimistic and positive people. I know for me, that's why I don't watch the news during this time because of the political agenda. Going oh on. my, it's yeah. huge. It's so bad. I can't, I can't do it. I haven't watched it. I just, I, I get my updates through the CDC website or whatever I need to. My husband gets them and lets me know, downloads it to me. Right. So Ryan, what's next for you and what's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, what's next for me? Um, the journey is never ending on self-growth. So I want to be a better leader. Um, the best way to get a hold of me is always, I'm, you know, one thing I struggle with and one thing this is bringing to light is that uh, social media is a great medium to connect with people. And I was resistant for that. And a lot of times I would put negative connotations on social media. But if you use it, um, and my girlfriend had said this, she said, fall in love with it and then it isn't. You know, and um, that's what I want to do is connect with people on social media. So you can um, contact me at Forefathers Grooming or at Dapper.Deeds, uh, which is my Instagram, and then Facebook, of course, or my email, um, Ryan at ForefathersGrooming.com. Yeah, and Forefathers is F O R E, Forefathers. F O R E, like yep. our forefathers before yep. us. And uh, what's Dapper.Deeds? What is that? Uh, I, I used to be called Deeds. Uh, people shortened my last name up, so and I was always oh, pretty funny. dapper. Yeah. You are dapper. You're a dapper <laughs> guy. I should have called it Be Dapper. <laughs> I love it. Ryan, any last pieces of advice you want to give uh, before we go? Thank you so much uh, for being on this. You are absolutely phenomenal. I know people are going to really enjoy this. It's going to really touch lives. So thank you. So thank much. you so much. I think the last um, couple of things I could say is to um, show up and be the part. Um, because when you have those two things in mind, uh, all of a sudden everything just becomes you trying to focus on that, uh, those two things. It's showing up and being the part. So be where you're supposed to be and assume the position. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.